Hey, what's going on, Christ Church friends and family? Welcome to our online service. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you share it. When you share it, it's, a, it's the best way for us to reach people, new people, so they can hear about Christ Church and all the good that is happening here as well. Thank you guys again for joining in. We're going to be continuing in our sermon series that we started a few weeks ago. And the sermon series is titled, Stop Trying, Start Training. In this sermon series, we have been d- discovering certain spiritual disciplines to help us to, 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 to be formed into the image of Christ more and more. Becoming like Christ, we said, is our goal. And we understand, we understand this, that the more we become like Christ, the more it benefits uh, many areas, all the areas in our lives. We gave the example that imagine if we became more like Christ, how that affects our relationships uh, how that impacts our marriages, how that impacts uh, how we see ourselves. Uh, imagine how it impacts all of our lives. And in this series, we want to imitate him more and more. Because if you think about it, you know, mostly all of us are imitating something or someone. Think about that for a second. Uh, when I was growing up, and you guys may have heard this before, but my favorite athlete happened to be Kobe Bryant. I love me some Kobe. All right, I love me some Kobe. I was so sad in 2020 upon his passing. But before, I was a big Kobe fan. So back in the day when he was number eight, before he became number 24, number eight Kobe, he had this little mini afro, and he wore this armband on his arm. And and I remember being this little kid going out, having my Kobe jersey. I had a little afro, my little chubby self I was. I had a wristband as well. And I'll never forget that moment I was wanting to be like him and if you think about it we all are imitating someone or something right maybe you had a parent in your life that 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 they were such a great example you want to imitate them as as much as possible and we have to be careful what we imitate uh, because it surely affects who we are becoming so in this sermon series we want to look at disciplines are a way of how we achieve success I want you guys to understand this. There's no success without discipline in your life, right? There's no success. There's no winning. There's no accomplishing. There's no growing in your life without understanding spiritual disciplines and practicing them. As I said, what you practice determines what you become, right? If you want to know uh, where someone, somebody is going and uh, who somebody is, just take a look at what they do. Just take a look at what they practice, right? Uh, what you practice determines who you become. And in this sermon series, throughout our spiritual disciplines, we understand this. It, it deepens our connection and our relationship and our intimacy with Christ. Because the goal of this series is that you may know him and to be shaped by him. So that you may know him. And what does it mean to know Christ? It means to know the truth, right? It means to have the truth. It means to walk in the truth. It means to live by the truth. And that's what I, I believe this series can accomplish for us. And I believe this is what this, this, this spiritual disciplines can happen for us in our lives. And in order for us to be rooted and walk and live by truth, we must attain and detach from the lies that we tell ourselves in our lives. We must remove the things that are untrue in our lives. So that's what we've been doing more and more in this series. And I pray, this is my prayer for this series is that you would look at this series, not just as a sermon you can hear, 
but a way of life, right? That this can be become your lifestyle. This can be a way of how you, you, you live your life and how you can understand that if I don't establish this, I can't succeed anything more and more on my life. So we're going to be studying at a Psalm 62 today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 62. We're going to talk about another discipline today, a discipline that I believe truly satisfies the soul. You know, if you think about it, we all are trying to find some sort of satisfaction in our lives, which is why we have certain relationships, which is why we go after certain careers, which is why we go connect to certain groups. I mean, just think about it. We all want to feel a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. You know, we all want to feel a sense of peace, you know, uh, uh, belonging, right? Lord knows that we all want to belong, and I believe that's a good desire. I just believe we just aimed it in the wrong direction, right? I believe that it's a good desire to, to want to be loved and to, to want to receive love and want to give love, but at the end of the day, friends, it must be directed at Christ, because the reality of the Christ, because the reality of Christ, I'm sorry, the reality of Christ is the only thing that satisfies our souls, right? It's the only thing that satisfies the deep love that you're looking for, the deep hope that you're looking for, the deep uh, peace that you are striving for, and the contentment that we all want. Psalm 62, we're going to be reading the Psalm of David. We're going to read all 12 verses, and then we're going to be talking about our next discipline in this sermon. Here we go. Psalm 62, verse 1. It says this, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. If you have your Bibles, if, you're, uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to circle the word silence. Uh, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone, listen to, to David's language of how he describes his personal intimacy, con uh, intimate connection with God. God is a personal being who wants us to be close to him. That's the desire of God. And this is how David describes God. He says, he alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long would all of you attack a man and to batter him like a leaning wall and a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they, uh, they curse. For God alone Oh, my soul waits in silence for my hope. Listen to this. My hope is from him. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. You notice the repetition in this? Notice David is repeating what he was saying before. He says, he alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of lowest state are but a breath. A highest state are a delusion. And the balances, they go up. They together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on a robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken twice, I have heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. What do we see? This is a beautiful psalm. Let me just say this. Amazing psalm. Uh, I, I love this psalm because it's a psalm of confidence. It's a psalm of courage. Now what's very interesting is we reread in verses 3 to 4, David, who happens to be the king of Israel, 
uh, David is under severe attack, possibly. Now, we don't know the, the background of the psalm. A lot of us just take an, an educated guess. My guess is he's running from this guy by the name of Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Saul didn't like David, and therefore he went, he went after David, and David ran from Saul and all of this. So, so David is, is in the midst of some unjust attacks and some threats in his life. But notice, even in the midst of the threats and the attacks, his courage never leaves him. His confidence stays the same. Now, how many of us can we admit when threats come into our lives, our confidence is the first thing to go? Can we be honest with ourselves today, right? The one thing that gets robbed when, when severe attack happens, and attack isn't so much what people do uh, against you, like what David is going, attack can be, you know, uh, the personal attacks of your past, right? We all have some attack, and, and one of the things that, that happens is the first thing to go is our confidence. It robs our contentment. It robs our hope. But I love David. It reminds us that when you, got, when you have God, you always have hope. If you know God, if you walk with God, if you trust God, you always have a reason for confidence. This is the beautiful life of the Christian. The beautiful life of a Christian is that no matter what happens in your life, no matter the threats, no matter the pain, no matter who leaves you, no matter who hurts you, no matter any of those things, there's one thing that is for certain. You can still have hope and confidence in your life. Not because of you. Not because of the situation. Lord knows it's not because of the situations that give us confidence. But it's God with us. That's what gives us confidence. Don't you love this psalm? Right? Don't you love this, that, that God is, is, is the reason why we can live with confidence no matter the situation? And David uses this language. Did you catch what, you, uh, what David said? He says God is my rock. He has a personal connection with God. He doesn't just speak uh, what he knows about God, but who God is to him. He says my rock, my salvation, my fortress, and my refuge. Now, it's pretty interesting language David used here. The language David uses here is the language of God protecting, of God's protection. Think about this. When David says, my fortress, if some of you might be thinking of a, a tall a, a building, a tall, skinny building, and he calls it my rock that's made of rock, and then he said, it's my, my, my refuge. Whenever the, the Israelites or anyone is in battle and they're, they're losing and uh, they're, 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 they're going uh, uh, through it, what they would do, they would go to this fortress, and this is where they would find their protection. Now catch this. David says, God is my mighty tower. He's the tall tower. He then goes on and he says, he is my rock. What does the rock represent? Well, the rock is what keeps the tower strong. Keeps the tower strong. He says, God is my strength. And then he says, God is my refuge. He is where I go for help. God is the one who relieves all the dangers that come in my life. God is our defender. He is our protector. I need you to hear this for a second. I need you to hear this. God protects us. Now, when you hear that word, that we, we often like to think of where God's going to protect me and keep me from going through harm. Now, how many of us know that that's just not the truth? Right? That's just not the truth. The real protection is what God does in your heart. The real protection is what God 
does in your heart, which is what God being a mighty fortress uh, from the temptation and the, the things that uh, come into your life, the, 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 the real moments where God is your refuge is when shame wants to knock at the door of your heart. It's when fear and anxiety begins to kind of give you a perspective that is unlike the perspective God wants to give you. See, above all else, what this truly means when you say God is my refuge, my fortress, and my salvation, what you're saying is God is the one who guards my heart. He guards my heart from the things that threaten me. He guards my heart from the things that, that, that uh, robs my confidence and my assurance in my life. Listen to what David is reminding us. He's reminding us that God's core role in our lives is to lead us and protect our hearts. Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your hearts. Says it in the Bible, literally, guard your heart. Jesus says, I am the door. Gives an imagery. He says, anyone who enters by me will be saved and will go out and find pasture. Jesus, he's the door to your heart. He's the door to your heart that protects <laughs> and that keeps you and uh, um, uh, allows you to, to live with more and more confidence like David has. Now, let me, let me say this. Why does David have so much confidence and assurance? Right? Well, yes, because of God. We understand that. But how did he get there? That's the question we got to ask ourselves. Yes, it's because of God he has confidence and assurance. But how did he get there, right? Well, we saw it in verses 1 and 5. Let's read it again. For God alone my soul waits in, you ready? Silence. He says, for God alone my soul waits in See, silence, all it truly means is, is when we go to God and we quiet our hearts and we quiet the noise and we just listen. We're going to God and we're removing all the things that happen and are going on in our lives and we just quiet ourselves before the Lord. But if you think about it, we're people who love noise, aren't we? Are you like me that when you're cleaning or when you're doing anything, you just have the TV on in the background? You're like me, right? You always got to be playing something on the radio if you're driving or, or anything like that. We are people addicted to noise. Our life is full of noise. Can, can we just be honest in silence? What it does, it helps us to end the busy heart that we have, the noisy heart that we have. Let me ask you a question. Is anyone quickly irritable? You can be honest. <laughs> is anyone short-tempered you could be honest right is anyone overwhelmed and stressed and feeling like they have a thousand things they need to manage they have a relationship uh, with their with their uh, significant other with their family with their uh, uh, distant family with the people at their jobs and they just feel like they're just trying to juggle everything do you feel like you have to meet others expectations more than you uh, meet your own needs and expectations in your own life do you choose things over than uh, over God and then also yourself we must admit friends we must admit that we're all at an unsustainable pace can we be honest with ourselves today we're all at an unsustainable pace we put we put we pile more and more things in our lives we are carrying more things than we can actually hold we're thinking of things more than we can actually think your brain has a has a boundary and a capacity. 
And we all find ourselves needing more silence. See, the spiritual discipline of silence, it's just, a, it's just withdrawing to be with God. See, silence, all it really means is it's, it's taking the time and uh, you're, you're closing all your technology. You're, you're, you're going to a, uh, a desolate place like Jesus did. Remember we talked about that in Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 1, where we would go to a desolate place and we would be a time. Listen to this. This is what a lot of us need to do. We not only go to a, a desolate place, but it's a place where we pause, where we just stop. Some of us don't know when to stop. Some of us, we, we keep doing the same old things over and over, and we're angry, and we're mad, and then we keep thinking to ourselves, why am I so angry? Why am I so mad? But duh, your life is, is at an unsustainable pace. But here's the truth, friends. This is the time. Silent and solitude is a spiritual practice where God fills our hearts. At the end of the day, friends, we're working off empty. Am I right? We're working off empty. We're moving with empty. We're, we're trying to bust and hustle and do all of this on empty. But see, what God wants to do, he wants your hearts to be full. Full of what? Full of hope and confidence that he is with you that he is your refuge, that he is your fortress, and that he is your rock in your life. Silence and solitude is a very well-known practice. As a matter of fact, it's so well-known, it's said by the guy by the name of Henry Nowen. He says, silence and solitude is not a private therapeutic place, but rather it's the place of conversion. This is interesting. He says, he says it's the place where our old selves dies. And our new self is renewed. It's actually a Bible verse he actually gets that from. He says, silence, listen to this, silence or stillness is the furnace of transformation. It's the furnace. And he says, uh, 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 without it, we remain victims of the society, victims of busyness, entangled with the illusion of our false selves. That's interesting. That hit me hard. He says silence and stillness, when, we, when it's absent in our lives, we, 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 we run the risk of always doing the same thing. And a lot of us, we need to get in the habit of not doing the same thing. We need to get in the habit of changing things. But until we uh, uh, position this practice into our Christian lives, it's time where we steal our hearts and we, we, we quiet all the noise. Friends, we will always be victims of the same habits. We will always be victims of the same habits. We will always struggle with impulse. We will always struggle with the false sense of self. But what stillness does is where we go to God and he fills our hearts. We encounter his presence, his perfection, and also his goodness. Without it, friends, as we said before, You'll always be victims of the old selves. Here's the truth, friends. Not only do we, are we dramatically affected by not practicing, but our loved ones are impacted as well, too. Think about it. If you don't get better, what you do directly impacts the people around you. You ever notice that? Right? How you're growing or how you're digressing <laughs> impacts the people around you. And stillness sets us up. So not only do we grow, but the people around us are blessed because we're dying to ourselves. We're, we're, we're not robbed by the insecurities that we struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
We're not robbed by the, the anxiety that seems to pop up every single day, friends. No, friends, we need to learn how to stop. We need to learn how to stop. Because some of us are constantly, persistently in the, in the needs and the demands of others. But we need to be with our Father. Because I believe this, friends, true productivity and effectiveness happens when you slow down. Can I tell you this? God speaks in silence. God gives clarity when you quiet the noise. It, 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 effectiveness and productivity happens when we slow down and we listen to God. Now, I need you to understand this. I'm not the Christian that, that hears God and his audible voice and we just have this conversation back and forth and, you know, I know his voice and, he, and all of that. But I do know this. We hear God through his word. God communicates the best way through what he says in his word. And what he says in his word, and this is where you and I, where you and I find true fulfillment and true goodness of God. But we live in a society that we're all about hustling, right? We live in a society where it's all about the grind, right? I, I follow this page on Instagram, and it, it's, called, it's called Grind God, little g. Grind God, right? And at first I started following him because, you know, all his workout videos. But I started noticing he idolized busyness. Right, he talked about how he's up by 5 a.m. and then he's doing this at 12, and then he's doing this at 10, and then he's doing this at and he's doing all this stuff. But little did I realize is that yes, he's busy, but he's probably not very effective. Because we're a society that loves to grind. Our drug of choice is accomplishment and accumulation. We want more and more of something, so we chase it instead of chasing God. We chase things instead of chasing God, so He can give us clarity. In our lives, when we minimize hurrying and busyness, God speaks and he cures the things. Here's what he cures. He cures the chaos. Not only does he cure the chaos, he cures our character. Can we be honest? What David is, is showing us in this particular passage is that he heard from God. Did you see in verse 11? He says, once God has spoken, twice I heard Here's, here's David saying, I heard God move. I've, I've heard God whisper to my heart. And how did he hear from God, friends, when he did in verse 1? And when he did in verse 5, he practiced silence and solitude. And he moved deeper, even in the midst of his great trials. And he, it was a time where he dropped control and he let God have control. He dropped control and he let God have control. I just want to say a couple of things before we close. Before we get to this point, to the end point. Number one, stillness is an expression of worship and meditation. Here's the thing, friends. We are focusing on the wrong things. Am I right? We are looking at the wrong things and we are meditating on the wrong things. But the scripture calls us to meditate on the majesty of Jesus Christ, on the glory of Christ. We are meditating on our past. We're meditating on if someone likes us. We're meditating on um, what's our future going to be. We're meditating on our failures. We meditate on the wrong things. But stillness is where we quiet the noise and we say to God, I just want you. And you hear from God. Now notice David was repeating what he was saying. Right? Notice David was repeating what he was saying. God alone is my 
uh, is where I wait in silence. God alone is where I wait in silence. God alone is my refuge. God alone is my rock. God alone is my stillness. Did you hear when he was doing this repetition over and over again? Verse uh, number two. Stillness is an expression of faith. David says, trust him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him. Stillness is also a moment where we pour our heart to God and we tell God everything that's going on in our lives. Number four, stillness is where we find clarity and wisdom more and more. So here's, here's what we need to do, friends. We need to learn how to pause. We need to learn. Now, pausing isn't scrolling. You ever been, you ever been on your phone and next thing you know, you get down this black hole and you've been scrolling for the last 20, 30, 45 minutes and you're just going and going and going. You're liking videos. You're commenting on videos. Maybe we're just talking about myself. But, but, <laughs> But, but quietness, friends, quietness is stillness is not just being on your phone. It's being with God. Now, that doesn't mean you just sit down in the back porch and you do nothing. There are just different forms of stillness. You can go on a walk. You can play basketball. Whatever it may be, you can take the time and be with God. Let's do a couple things. Number one, here's what I want you guys to realize. Silence and solitude is a practice of letting go. It's pausing and it's letting go. It's, releasing, it's relinquishing to God. I had a hard time saying that. It's relinquishing to God full control. You hear what David said? He says, God told me power belongs to me. Some of us, we got to get to the point where we're just giving to God. We're, we're doing more and more. We're telling ourselves, this can't be on my shoulders. I need to give it to God. I can't carry this. God needs to have this. I can't hold this. God needs to do this in our lives. Here we go. Practice relaxing. Setting and sitting in God's goodness. Attempting to be present, not looking at your past nor your future, but just being with God. But just relaxing. As a matter of fact, there's some breathing techniques that we can practice when we relax. There's a physical sense to this. Yes, there is a spiritual sense to this, but there's also a physical sense to this. And what's the physical sense? Just relax and sit down. My wife always tells me, you just need to relax, but I'm always thinking about church. I'm always thinking about the next sermon. I'm always thinking about how to do this. I'm always thinking about how to do that. Our minds are racing. Our minds are going. Go, 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 go. But silence and stillness and solitude is where we learn to physically stop. And our mind stops too. Number two, we get to detach. We clear our minds from the things that steal our attention. We detach um, to attach to Christ, to find inner freedom and the release of the self-will. Our core spiritual problem is us. <laughs> our core problems of all the things in our lives is you and I, not anyone. So here's the thing. We need to learn how to detach, to find inner freedom and to be more in control of our lives. Number three, look. Write this down, look. We need to look at scripture more and more in our lives. You, 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 listen, I, I learned this from this, this professor. He said this, you become what you meditate on. Hear that for a second. You become what you focus on. You become what you meditate, what you contemplate on. We need to fill our souls with the promises and the word of God. Number four, we just need to listen. Our primary posture of us as disciples of Christ is to listen so that God may enter our temples and to cleanse us from all the things that need to be cleansed. 
Now, I've done this before where I've just listened to God. And again, I've never heard God in an audible voice, but I have heard God. I have heard God telling me that I need to forgive more. I have heard God tell me, you got to be more patient. I have heard God that you're letting this rob your peace. Don't let it. I have heard those moments. And that's when we take the time and we just listen. Because worship isn't what you do with your mouth. It's sometimes what you do with your ears, too. Worship isn't just singing. Worship is listening as well, too. Number five, last one. Love. Drown yourself in the love of Christ. Discover God's deep love for you. Some of us haven't really cracked the code on just how much Christ loves us. Right? And to live from that love, to know the love of Christ, but also to be filled with the love of Christ, to live from the love of Christ. God wants you and I to know his deep love, and we hear God clearer, we hear God's love more in the silence of our hearts. But not only does God love impact us, here's what I believe this too, God love impacts how we love others too. Can we just be honest? Some of us, some of us have been a little bit nasty towards other people. I know I have. You've been nasty, you've been disrespectful, you've been angry, you've been short-tempered, you've been all of the above to those who it's hard to get along with, to those who's hard to love, because we all got people that were hard to love. Can I get an amen in the chat? We all got people that's hard to love, but here's what I do know this, friends. If Christ's love isn't pouring into us, then love, the good love, the true love, cannot be flowing through us. We sit in silence and we still our hearts before God. What if this practice, what if we had more time pausing than going? Because I believe this true productivity comes when you have more silence than anything else. And the freedom that this produces, when we get to study our souls and study ourselves and study and ask God to, to, to show us the, the depths of our hearts, our, our hidden thoughts, only God can do that. So we need to go to God for it in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Father, we love you. Dear Father, we thank you. We ask that you would, you would help us to be more compelled to practice stillness and silence into our lives. That we would take more time pausing than anything else, allowing you to fill our hearts and our minds and our souls with your perfection and your goodness. But most importantly, Father, your love. And Father, I pray that, that we get healthier and stronger and mentally more capable of, of the ability to live with more confidence and assurance that you are our rock, our refuge, our fortress in the time of trouble. Help us, I pray. Send your son's, uh, send, uh, your son's name as we pray. Amen. May the Lord be with you guys. God bless. We'll see you guys next week.